Let us pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts gathered here be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. Thank you for being our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So Easter sunrise services are my favorite for a lot of reasons, but one of them is because I'm a morning person. I kind of pop out of bed in the morning ready to have in-depth conversation with people, and I have to exercise a lot of self-control not to impose that desire on others in my household. Um, I found... (laughs) Yeah, I found that the best way for me to make use of that presence of mind and desire to speak is to spend that early morning time before the sun rises, having in-depth conversation with God and listening and being in God's presence. And I think that's what Mary Magdalene was on her way to do in the pre-dawn darkness on that first Easter morning, to be in God's presence as she visited Jesus' tomb, and we're going to hear that story. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, Tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. It is striking to me that John's telling of that first Easter morning begins in the dark. In the other Gospels, it's dawn, or as the day is dawning, or just after the sun has risen. But John says, while it was still dark. And I think this is significant in more ways than one. I think he's referring to the literal darkness, meaning that the time of day was prior to sunrise, but I think he's referring also 
to the darkness that fell upon the followers of Jesus when Jesus died on the cross three days earlier. I imagine it as a spiritual and emotional darkness of heavy grief and confusion and fear that was all-encompassing to Jesus' followers, especially to those who were his closest disciples. Perhaps you're familiar with this type of darkness. It's in the midst of this darkness and the literal darkness before dawn. And remember, this is before electric lighting. We had that help this morning as we came here in the dark. So it's through this darkness which Mary came to Jesus' tomb. It doesn't say why she came. I suspect that it was simply to be close to Jesus, even in death. And when she arrived at the tomb in the midst of the darkness, she found that the stone had been rolled away. I am certain she was shocked and surprised, maybe even frightened or angry, because she supposed that they had taken Jesus to some unknown location. So she goes to find Peter. Remember, he has denied Jesus. And the disciple whom Jesus loved, he was the one who was present with Mary Magdalene and Jesus' mother at the foot of the cross when Jesus died. And the two disciples run to the tomb to see for themselves. What they see is that the tomb is open, there's no body inside, but there's evidence that Jesus' body has been unwrapped. The linen wrappings are still there, and the wrappings tell them that Jesus' body can't simply have been moved elsewhere. The text says that when the disciple whom Jesus loved entered the tomb, he saw and believed. And this statement is complicated because it's followed by a clarification that they didn't understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. It can't be saying that he believed in the resurrection, but his belief is significant enough to have been noted. But I think it was more than some say that he simply believed or acknowledged what Mary had told them, that the tomb was in fact empty. I think what the beloved disciple believed was the evidence of the empty tomb, which he couldn't fully comprehend in terms of Jesus' resurrection and ascension. The disciples would come to understand those things later, after Jesus was glorified, after the Holy Spirit had been given. What he believed was that somehow Jesus had conquered death. But it also seems that he and Peter didn't particularly know what to do with what they had seen or with what the disciple, the beloved disciple believed. We don't have any indication that Peter believed anything. So they went home. But Mary, Mary stayed at the tomb weeping. It is Mary alone who gets to see the angels who do not make some grand pronouncement about the resurrection of Christ. Instead, they ask Mary, woman, why are you weeping? And she responds to them with basically the same thing she told the disciples, that they have taken Jesus away and she doesn't know where. And then she encounters Jesus outside the tomb, who asks her the same question, woman, why are you weeping? But he adds, whom are you looking for, knowing that it is him she seeks? And though she knows she is looking for Jesus, whom she calls Lord, she doesn't recognize him, even when he's standing right in front of her, and talking to her until he says her name. Does that ever happen to you? Do you sometimes miss Jesus standing right in front of you? Do you sometimes miss Jesus standing right in front of you even when you're looking for him? Mary was blinded in a number of ways. It was literally dark outside, so it was difficult to see. On top of that, she was weeping, and it's hard to see through a veil of tears. And she was probably completely devastated by grief, not thinking clearly at all, 
especially after the realization that Jesus' body had disappeared. And his resurrected body probably looked different. But most of all, she wasn't expecting to see a dead person standing in front of her alive. (laughs) I will give Mary a bit of a break on this when it comes to not recognizing Jesus, and maybe that's because I see a bit of myself in her. I don't always recognize Jesus either. I know that sometimes I miss Jesus standing right in front of me, especially when I think I know where to find him. On that first Sabbath day after the crucifixion, Mary thought she knew where to find Jesus, inside the tomb. But Jesus isn't always where we expect him to be. In fact, he's usually not. He wasn't where people expected him to be at most points during his ministry. He hung out with the least and the last and the lost, the outcasts and the sinners, not those who were considered holy. And on that first Easter morning, he wasn't where they expected him to be either. That day was no exception. But the point is that Mary did recognize the risen Christ, even in the midst of the darkness, both literal and figurative, that she was experiencing. Now, focusing in on that darkness, John is the only gospel writer who sets this story in the dark, before dawn. And he's the only one who focuses on Mary's sadness and her weeping. He's the only one who has Mary visiting the tomb alone. And what I understand from that is this. He wanted us, the readers, to get a taste of how dark and lonely and terrifying and sad the time between Jesus' death and resurrection was. You see, we can't talk about Easter without talking about Good Friday and without remembering the grief and uncertainty and fear and utter devastation of Holy Saturday. We can't skip from the hope and excitement of Palm Sunday to the joy of Easter resurrection without going through the darkness and the pain of the events in between. For the road to resurrection lies only through the cross. And I think that's why our passage this morning begins in the dark. And I think that's appropriate. Because many, probably all of us, have experience with darkness. Perhaps we're in the midst of it right now. One of my favorite authors, Barbara Brown Taylor, has written a thoughtful and insightful book called Learning to Walk in the Dark. It's not a how-to on getting out of periods of darkness in our lives. It's a reflection on finding our way with God in the midst of darkness, on befriending the dark rather than running from it. And in it, she says... The problem is this, when despite all my best efforts, the lights have gone off in my life, literally or figuratively, take your pick, plunging me into the kind of darkness that turns my knees to water, nonetheless, I have not died. Instead, I have learned things in the dark that I could never have learned in the light, things that have saved my life over and over again so that there is really only one logical conclusion. I need darkness as much as I need light. We need darkness as much as we need light. I think that's right. I've experienced experienced that in my own life, and I've witnessed it in the lives of others. Though we seek to avoid darkness and we wish it away quickly when it comes, darkness is essential. What would we have to celebrate on Easter without the darkness of the cross? We need darkness as much as we need light. But knowing that doesn't make it any easier when we are the one who is experiencing darkness. And there is so much darkness in our world. 
loss of employment, broken relationships, serious illness, death of loved ones, mental health challenges, financial crises, grief of all sorts. I could go on and on and on. These and many more things can bring about seasons of darkness and pain and grief in our lives. And though we may wish we didn't have to experience them or that we could move through them quickly, there's no way to walk around the darkness. We have to walk in the all-encompassing midst of it because there are no shortcuts. And there's no shortcut to Easter morning either. But there is a light that shines in the darkness. And that's one of the reasons why I love Easter sunrise services so much. Because they begin in the dark and the light breaks in as the sun rises. And that's exactly what Jesus does. We can't fully experience the joy of the resurrection without the utter darkness of the events of the cross. And we can't celebrate the light of Jesus' resurrection that Jesus' resurrection brought into the world without remembering that 33 years earlier, that light was born into a dark world when Jesus Christ, God with us, was incarnated. We heard John 1, for 1 uh, John chapter 1, verse 1, verses 4 through 5, read earlier when we were in the gathering area, but I'll read it again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Not even the darkness of the cross, the darkest dark there is, could overcome the light of Christ, which shines for all people and brings light to all the world. The light of the world does not only come at Christmas. But here's the thing. Mary's encounter of Jesus in the dark when she doesn't even recognize that the light of the world is standing right in front of her, reminds us that Jesus meets us in our darkness and calls us by name. We don't have to find our way out of the dark and into the light to encounter Jesus. We simply have to show up, as Mary Magdalene did in the darkness of that first Easter morning. Jesus' light shines into the darkest places and the darkest times, for on the cross we learn that Christ's light is synonymous with love. And in love, Jesus died, and three days later, Jesus rose from the dead and ascended to the Father so that we would not be left in darkness. Instead, because of that great love that we call grace, that light of the world enters our darkness with us, guiding our path as we walk in the dark, because Jesus is the incarnation of light and can see the path through our darkness even when we can't. And when we're in seasons of light, Jesus meets us there as well. I want to share a photo with you that I took a few years ago during a dark season in my life. Before I took this photo, I had experienced three significant losses in the course of a year, and there was some other challenging stuff going on in my life. And grief had left me feeling untethered, without a map, disconnected from what I thought I knew. And like Barbara Brown Taylor described, the lights had gone off in my life. Though they had slowly dimmed rather than going off all at once, Shortly after the darkness really seemed to settle in, my family took a vacation to the beach. And one morning I was up before the sun, as I usually am, and I was sitting on the balcony of our condo as the sun rose. And I snapped this picture of the sun breaking in and transforming the ocean of darkness into a beautiful new day. That particular sunrise reminded me that God is always faithful in all things. That just as I can trust that the sun will rise each day, I can trust that the light of Christ will enter into the darkness so that I am not alone, yes, but also to serve as a guide. 
Though the only part of the path I might be able to see in the dark is the very next step, the light of the world, who has far more experience with darkness than I do, is my companion on the journey. I just have to be willing to keep walking. On that very first Easter, Mary Magdalene got up and went to the tomb by herself in the dark. She showed up and she witnessed the miracle of the resurrection. I don't know why you got up early and came here in the dark this morning. (laughs) Some of you still don't know either why you got up early and came here in the dark this morning. But whether you're in a season of darkness in your life or whether you're in a season of light, I pray that you encounter Jesus today in some way. In Mary Magdalene's case, she hears Jesus calling her name. But he doesn't stop with calling her name. He commissions her to be a witness to the disciples bearing an important message. Jesus instructs her to tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. And she obeys. She not only witnesses to the resurrection, she shares the good news that Jesus has told her of his ascension, his return to God the Father, which makes it possible for Jesus' followers to share in his relationship with God and to be part of his family. That's why it is so significant that Jesus says, to my father and your father, to my God and your God. With Jesus' return to the Father, Jesus' followers are welcomed into God's family. And so, still today, we can share in that relationship and be part of God's family. In baptism, we are adopted into God's family. We die to our old selves and we rise with Christ. We are called by name and commissioned, and our response is to witness to the light of Christ in the midst of a dark world. The disciples would later receive the Holy Spirit, and we receive the same in our baptism. Through baptism, we are claimed. Jesus' Father is our Father, and Jesus' God is our God. In a little while, you're going to have the opportunity to remember your baptism or to be baptized if you have not been baptized and wish to be baptized this morning. In this renewal and remembrance of your baptism, I pray that you will encounter the risen Christ who calls your name and who invites you to be a witness to his resurrection, to the light shining in the darkness this day. Let us conclude with the greeting and response that have been used for centuries. Christ is risen. 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 Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for the resurrection in which the light of Christ overcame the darkness, the darkness of the cross, and shined your light and love into all the world. Whether we find ourselves in the midst of darkness or light this day, we celebrate that Christ's death was not the end, that he overcame death so that we might have life. Help us to be faithful members of your family serving as witnesses to your good work in and for the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.